It's Monday, November 26th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Inside Value, Joe Mager. We're back, guys. We're, We're back, baby. Back. How was back. just just very quickly? Good Thanksgiving. I know you had Joe. You had like a 19-hour drive yesterday. Uh, just a breezy 12 and a half hour drive from Atlanta to DC. The time just flew by. <laughs> Easy shot right at 95, isn't it? Jason, good Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was great. Uh, made some peanut butter stuff in Chris. Uh, oh, it worked out really well. All right, we're going to talk Black Friday, Cyber Monday, a couple of tech companies getting some upgrades, and the head of the SEC is stepping down. We're going to see if we can help the SEC fill that position. Uh, but let's start with retail, guys, because that was the big story over the four-day Thanksgiving weekend here in the U.S. Uh, and, Joe, you look at the headlines, it really seems that the major headline is that overall spending was up slightly for bricks and mortar, but it seems like the big story is the online spending crossing the billion dollar mark for the first time ever and really outpacing bricks and mortar spending. Yeah, well, I'm an Amazon and eBay bull and shareholder, and I was very happy to see these results. Uh, they both had great numbers, as did most of the online sites out there. Uh, with Amazon, they, according to Comscore, were the biggest and fastest growing online e-tailer out there, which is pretty great to hear. And when you look at eBay, uh, their results continue to accelerate. It looks like more people are going there and buying more stuff, which is great. And eBay is just doing so well on mobile, which is kind of the story beneath the online story. Uh, eBay's Black Friday gross merchandise volume, so the amount of stuff that got bought was up 150% on mobile, and it was up 193% on PayPal, which is really just astronomical growth. It's tough to wrap your head around that, but you know, 3X in your volume is pretty strong. And Jason, the bricks and mortar retailers were hampered. Some of them certainly were hampered by the fact that their numbers for Black Friday itself were down. And I'm thinking specifically of Sears and Walmart. Yeah. Uh, and I think Target opened early on Thanksgiving Day as well, uh, 8 p.m., uh, their numbers were down on Friday just because some of that got backed into Thursday. Yeah, and I think you're going to see as time goes on, this this is very predictable behavior, the, the whole Black Friday, the notion of Black Friday followed by stupid Saturday and Cyber Monday. And it's just this <laughs> long trail of, of very predictable activity. But I think when you look further, you know, Joe was very uh, positive, bullish on Amazon. I, too, am uh, bullish on Amazon. I own sh- Amazon shares. Uh, when you look at retail uh, in general, it's still such a small percentage of retail is actually coming from that that online segment. I mean, it's sub ten percent, five percent of overall retail spending is coming from online sales, which shows you the runway ahead for for online growth. Now, I'm not one who really enjoys getting out to stores and malls, especially on Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving, or any time close to Thanksgiving. Or any day that ends in a Y. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel like Amazon, you know, their, their, their ad campaign is, hey, we're Amazon. Every day is Black Friday. And you never even have to leave the house. So that's great. But Joe did key in on mobile, which I think is very important. It is the underlying story here, not just eBay, uh, but GSI Commerce, which is the uh, supplier yep. for e-commerce with like Dick's Sporting Goods, uh, Gordon's Jewelers, Aeropostale. Uh, they also saw a tremendous jump in mobile payments up almost 200%. Uh, so, so I think between online and mobile payments, you're looking at uh, some really uh, big changes in consumer behavior we're going to see over the next decade. I was just going to say, I mean, I saw one article today that said, look, there was one winner over the weekend, and it was online retailers. But you know, to your point, and, and Joe, you made this point as well, isn't it reasonable to assume that an offshoot of that is the other winner 
is mobile payment systems. The, the you know Visa and PayPal and and you know even private startups like Square. I'll tack a third winner in there, the consumer. I mean, the consumer's walking out here a clear winner because they're getting deals like they've never seen before. And uh, they feel compelled enough to get out there on a Thursday or a Friday or a Saturday uh, to brave the crowds and shop, uh, you know, getting prices for things that they never would have dreamed they would have gotten before. So, so certainly uh, the consumer's a big winner as well. Did either of you guys do any shopping, whether it was online or, or like out in the stores? I actually didn't buy a single thing. Yeah, I didn't. No. Okay, so yeah. so yeah, we're the outliers because I, I saw some eye popping numbers just in terms of number of consumers out there spending. But I mean, I will I will say I mean I did a lot of Christmas shopping before that weekend, but I knew what I was wanting, and I'm okay for paying for it as long as I know what I want. <laughs> I know what I'm getting. So. Yeah, I've been thinking about buying some puts on H H Greg, and <laughs> so I went to the store. That's the only store I went into just to check things out, and you know, it was pretty pushy. I had four or five sales guys try and. Push me into was it crowded at HH Craig? It was good foot traffic. I don't really have a good enough context with the in-store experience. Mm. Um, I will say I was pretty attracted to the 70-inch sharp TV <laughs> that was playing Avatar at the time. My wife and I just like zoned out for five minutes watching it. <laughs> they, the characters were like bigger than we are in real life. It's an amazing Sir, thing. can we help you? Uh, let's move on to a couple of upgrades that are getting attention this morning. And I'm s- uh, talking specifically about Research in Motion and Yahoo, which both got uh, analyst upgrades. And let's start with Research in Motion. Uh, CIBC upgraded it to Outperformer, saying that the stock is materially undervalued. Uh, and Joe, I want to get your thoughts on this because – Part of the thesis for this upgrade, and I'm quoting here, CIBC upgraded uh, RIM in part because of, quote, a lack of new competing devices. In what universe is there a lack of new competing devices in the mobile space? You know, other than the the Samsung phones that have been (laughs) flying off the shelves and the iPhone 5, there's really not a whole lot out there. Uh, Sarcasm alert. No, I, I definitely think that's... On the silly side. Now, in terms of timing, they're right that, you know, there is a bit of a gap between major phone launches and when the BlackBerry is going to roll out. You know, that said, I don't know that anyone is chomping at the bit for the BlackBerry Mac. Our producer, longtime BlackBerry fan, finally threw in the towel on the BlackBerry. He went to the iPhone iPhone 5, though. He did. He did. So it. And he's not going back. No, he's, he's not. He's not going back to the BlackBerry 10. I bet you they're taking advantage of that photo they took. I think it was it was President Obama in a, like a local bookstore over the weekend, and he was holding up his BlackBerry. The article captioned he was holding up his BlackBerries. Maybe they're trying to capitalize on on that picture because I think otherwise the 90% global uh, market share that Android devices and iPhone <laughs> devices hold combined uh, – you know, I don't know that, that RIM's got really much. Yeah, much, I mean, there's uh, just a lack of. Yeah, there's a lack of an ecosystem for apps. There's a lack of interest uh, among consumers and businesses, which are increasingly. So, at the enterprise side, a big advantage BlackBerry used to have was security. Yep. But at this point, now so many people walking into work are carrying Androids and iPhones that you know corporate IT departments have had to absorb you know dealing with that kind of upward push from consumers into the enterprise, and so these. You know, we're all very comfortable with that now, and people have moved away from BlackBerry. And, you know, we've talked on the show <clears throat> for a while there, and the stock was selling for basically just above the value of its cash and its patents. And it had a call option on the BlackBerry 10, and it looks like it may actually hit, and the stock's taken off. But I, you know, at this point, you're once again paying for a real business, and I don't think the phone is going to be a huge hit. It would need to be a real surprise to validate buying the stock today. Yeah, Morgan Stanley came out after the CIBC report and said that uh, they called RIM stock at, at today's price uninvestable. 
uninvestable in the near term. Well, I just look at it from a sniff test perspective. I mean, you know, I don't know anybody going to that platform. I mean, everybody is switching away from that platform. And so just common sense and basic observation can tell you that they're not exactly on cutting edge at this point. Let's move over to Yahoo. The stock hit a 52-week high today. Goldman Sachs uh, added it to uh, Goldman Sachs, what they call their conviction buy list. Uh, and Joe, they, uh, the report had some uh, very positive things to say um, uh, about Melissa Mayer in, in her short term uh, so far as CEO, uh, saying that part of this upgrade is because of effective management of the organization's structure, investments, and finances. Um, we talk about stock buybacks all the time. Um, this was a situation where Yahoo's getting credit for the stock buyback program that uh, that they've initiated, that they're only about a quarter of the way through. Uh, but it seems like the, the early returns from Marissa Mayer are pretty positive. Yeah, I think she's off to a great start in terms of improving the Yahoo experience itself. Uh, you go to yahoo.com now and they're working on improving the search experience. It's more visible, <clears throat> excuse me, it's more visible, more present, and they're trying to wring more dollars out of the experience they've got there. They're also doing, I don't want to say what amounts to financial engineering, but they're unlocking the value of their Asian assets that have more or less just been sitting there and they're pushing cash back to shareholders. But, you know, let's not confuse dividends and share repurchases. You know, a lot of people think Yahoo is attractively priced today, so they're, you know, ultimately going to be buying back shares hopefully at a very good price, and that adds to the intrinsic value of the firm. That said, you know, we'll see about how that works and the only surprise for me on the Goldman report was just that it took this long because I don't think there's a lot of new news here in terms of what's been going on with Yahoo, but I definitely like what Mayer is doing there. And if I was a Yahoo shareholder, I'd be thrilled with not just the stock's performance, but you know the fundamental execution going on at the company. But all that said, still a long road ahead in terms of figuring out you know how to better monetize traffic, how to better figure out search, how to be more relevant on mobile. Yeah, I mean, Jason. To that point, uh, you know, for everything uh, we've said and others have said about research in motion, um, at least there's a a finite date. If you're an investor, you can look to that January twenty third date when the BlackBerry ten rolls out, and and that can be fact- be your Mayan calendar date. Yeah, exactly. That can be factored into your thesis if you're thinking about you know some sort of investment related to shares of RIM. I'm not sure when I look at Yahoo for all of the good that Marissa Mayer has done in her time as CEO. I'm not sure what the next big thing is for Yahoo. That's what I can't wrap my head around. And I don't, I don't own shares of Yahoo. But when you look at that company, what is it? Just simply the next quarterly results, um, or is there something that investors should be uh, maybe focusing on in terms of the business? Maybe it's just mobile, or maybe it's just search, or or, God forbid, an acquisition at some point. Hang on. Let me finish submitting this buy order for Yahoo stock. <laughs> it was conviction, right? <laughs> conviction um, buy list. No, I, I, I think that what we're seeing is is a bit more certainty maybe with Yahoo than we've seen you know, six months ago. Uh, a lot of that has to do with, I think, uh, Mayor getting, getting in there as CEO and really spearheading a plan and a, a path forward. And we know that mobile is going to be a big, important part of that. Uh, she is, I think, trying to change the culture within the company a little bit, which is being well-received. And so ultimately, you see a little bit more certainty and, and uh, 
upgrades uh, reflect that. But I, I do think, I mean, we're going to have to basically just, it's going to be a focus on, on organic revenue growth over the course of the coming years. And I mean, if they have a a, uh, a goal of, of being more uh, visible in, in mobile by 2015, well, then we have at least a target date. But there are going to have to be, there are going to be some signs uh, leading up to that, and that will be revenue growth. I, I think we're going to see some spending and research and development. These uh, sort of acquisitions and buying essentially new talent. We'll see how she kind of builds that team up, uh, strong people in that mobile uh, space. But but mobile is in a very, very early stage of development here. And, and whether you're Facebook or LinkedIn or Yahoo or Google, uh, a lot of these companies are still breaking new ground where mobile is concerned. So it's exciting, and definitely there's a little bit more certainty, but investors still have to be aware it is. It is Yahoo, and they still have a lot of challenges to face. You agree with that, Joe, in terms of organic revenue growth being the thing to watch? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are really two different types of risk going on here at Yahoo. One is execution in terms of technology. Can they stay relevant? Can they improve and turn things around? And the second is just capital allocation. Can they unlock the value of all these assets in a tax-efficient way and get the money back to shareholders in a way that pleases them and adds value? And I think that's the second question or set of questions is the one that Wall Street is getting more comfortable with, which is very good. But one thing to remember, anytime you're talking about a valuation that's based on you know, a sum of parts and you're looking at individual components of the business, putting them together and slapping a value on that, just remember you've got to figure out a path from getting those assets sold and cash to shareholders' hands. And the shorter the distance between those things, the more you should be willing to pay for the sum of that. Finally, guys, Mary Shapiro is stepping down after four years as chairman of the SEC. Uh, She was nominated in late 2008, and I think it's worth uh, pointing out that uh, she took over at a time that was in the wake of the (laughs) Lehman Brothers collapse and just a few weeks after the Bernie Madoff scandal broke. And uh, fair to say that the reputation of the SEC um, was not nearly as strong as it is today, and, and she has a lot to do with that in terms of reviving that reputation and also securing additional funding for the enforcement unit, all that sort of thing. Uh, there are names being floated out there. Neil Barofsky, the guy who headed up the overseeing the, the TARP program. Um, but uh, you know what? Those names don't interest me. No. The, the people who are sort of um, uniquely qualified to be chair of the SEC. That doesn't interest me. I'm looking for some some game changers here. So if you could wave a magic wand and put someone in as head of the SEC, Jason, who's going to stand up for individual investors, who are you going to go with? I don't know how much he'd stand up for individual investors, but this guy has a knack for really getting things done and just he just always seems to to get out of trouble, and, and uh, Walter White, you know, he's one of those guys from Breaking Bad. Uh, <laughs> wow! Yes, he is a fictional character, and, and no, he probably won't get the job. But could you imagine the imposing figure of Walter White as the chairman of the he's SEC? He's an innovator who cuts through red tape. I would I would pay like pay per view to watch that confirmation hearing. I'll bet you Mac would be on board with that. Mac would absolutely be on board. It's a thumbs with that. up, uh, Joe. Who, who do you got? I got Charlie Munger. There's virtually no <laughs> chance this happens, but the vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway is already rich beyond anyone's wildest dreams. He's definitely settling into the kind of legacy, long-winded speech mode. Yep. And I think he's super bright, would bring a lot to the table in terms of disclosure and transparency. I'd love to see it happen, but I think he loves being the vice chair at Berkshire. Probably a little too much to <laughs> take a government job. 
I can't top either of those. Joe Mager, Jason Moser. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll be right back.